Awesome. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. He's made us to sit together in heavenly places. You're seated in a heavenly place. Amen. And I'm not even talking about your chair or the sanctuary, but amen. The reality that we have, the heavenly reality. Amen. Praise God. And he's, he's seated us together. Everybody say together. together. Amen. He has seated us together. Amen. It is so good to see all of you and uh, so good to be together in worship this, this morning. I'm um, going to get in, into the word quickly here, but I, I just want to make a push for next weekend for the chili cook-off. I encourage you, bring your best chili. Uh, the, so Sean and Chris and Alexander are moving. They've, they've already started moving. They've already got a load here and brought to the house, but uh, they're going to arrive on Friday with their big truck, with all their stuff. Um, I've already recruited, got a, a good group of men together, but if you would like to help us Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, their, their home is on the wrong side of the river. Uh, they're kind of in the St. Matthews area, but if you would help us uh, to get over there and help them unload, I think we can get that truck unloaded in about 30 minutes. I think we already have about 10, 10 late, uh, ladies and gentlemen lined up to go. But the more the merrier, we'll get that thing knocked out like that. But um, now the timing of Sean's move, there's some purpose in that. He saw our advertisement for the chili cook-off, and he said he's going to be here in time for that. So he thinks he's going to come up here and win that chili cook-off next, next Sunday. Hey, bring your best chili recipe next Sunday. If you're bringing chili, sign up and let us know. If you're planning to be here, sign up. Just, just that helps us to prepare Make sure we have enough food and that we're prepared for everybody who's going to be here. But uh, I want to encourage you to come and go to the ATM next Saturday and just withdraw a lot of money out of your bank account and come prepared to give towards missions. What we will have the capability for you to give uh, electronically, but cash helps. It makes it easier. Uh, but uh, bring a lot of money or prepare. Come prepared to give a bunch of money. I'd like to raise a couple thousand or a few thousand dollars next weekend for this trip to Eagle Pass. That's going to help. Uh, the, the purpose of this trip, we're going down to, to work with uh, Tree of Life Ministries. They are uh, in the process already of building. Uh, it's a new facility that they've got. They've got a church. They've got a bunkhouse that's kind of under construction right now. That's where we're going to be staying. They've got showers, shower rooms that are under construction right now for, in preparation for our arrival, so we'll have a place to take showers. And, uh, but what we're really going to, to work on is a pregnancy crisis center and a sexual trauma facility that they're developing there. And um, there's a lot of, uh, in this trafficking along the border, there's a lot of women that are abused and left to die. And so they're going to be able to work with federal agencies and give ministry physically, spiritually, in every area to minister to these ladies uh, that have experienced this trauma and also uh, deal with teenage pregnancies, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it's pro-life. Amen. How many know that the Bible is, is about life? Amen. How many of you know God is pro-life? Jesus is pro-life, and we should be too. Every life is valuable. Amen. And we value the sanctity of human life. Amen. And so please to partner with them. So all the proceeds are going to help. Uh, all of our, I think most of our traveling expenses and that type of thing is, is already raised uh, through our missions conference that we had back in October, but we're going to 
um, hopefully take these funds and help them to get some of the materials that we'll be building with and finishing out this facility. So that's the purpose of this. So come, come ready to eat some chili, come ready to give. And uh, next Sunday is going to be a missions emphasis Sunday. All right, so chili cook off. All right, and just I'll, I'll say th- this is a tremendous opportunity for us. I, I really think that that location is going to be for us a beachhead in the, in the years to come where we can take that, that, that bunkhouse, they're, they're, they're working on, it'll be a bunkhouse with a training facility, so we can take teams there, and we can brief them in that training facility. Uh, we, could, we can stay right there in Texas and travel over the border into Mexico and do trips, and there's all kinds of opportunities that are opened up over there. Uh, Don recently has partnered with an uh, 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 organization that's training young people for missions. They've got about a dozen young people in their program, and they take them on short-term mission trips, and they're training them. Uh, they, they're actually uh, over in uh, Eastern Europe somewhere right now. They were with Don over the Christmas break, with Crabtrees over the Christmas break. So they're partnering with us. There's all kinds of amazing opportunities. I was with, in San Antonio last week, I was with, just to tell, tell you this quickly, I was with uh, uh, the Tolman brothers. They're in Topeque, Mexico. And they are doing phenomenal things there in, in uh, Topeque, Mexico. They've been working there. They're, they're, they've been, they've, they're older than me. They've lived in Mexico their entire life. Their parents were missionaries, served on that field in Mexico, in Topeka, Mexico, for 40 years. And now they're operating the ministries that their, their parents established. There's uh, several churches that they've planted. There's a couple of orphanages that they run. Uh, and they have um, a soccer ministry, of all things. Who, who would think? But they have eight different soccer camps throughout that region, and these men come to live at these camps. They're, they're young men that come to live, to train, to be professional soccer players. And through that program, they're discipling uh, th- those, those men to be followers of Jesus. They have tremendous, tremendous success. They have actually sent people from Mexico to other nations through that, that soccer program as missionaries. It's just absolutely tremendous. And um, I was with Philip... Uh, uh, see, we sat down, I think, Wednesday there in San Antonio for breakfast, and Thursday he was flying back to Topeka because he had to meet with the mayor. The, the city of Topeka is building them an $8 million soccer facility. It's tremendous. The city is paying for the soccer facility for their ministry. Their, and their ministry, they have actually have built a semi-professional soccer team. Their, their jerseys, they actually gave me a jersey, and it, I think it says uh, Dios es color or something like that. Like God is hot or, you know, like in fuego or, you know, on fire. On fire for God. I don't know exactly how that translates, but it says Dios es color. That's, that's all I know it says. Stephen, how does that translate? Our God is a fire. Dios es color. So that's, that's on their soccer jerseys, the semi-professional soccer team. So pretty awesome stuff. So there's all kinds of opportunities down there. I'm excited about it. All right, so we're going to get into the word Philippians and we're going to talk about gospel fellowship, gospel fellowship today, Philippians. So we're actually moving out of verse 2 today. We're going to move on. <laughs> we're going to move on. We're going to read uh, verses 3 through 11 in the first chapter of Philippians today. I thank my God. Get your, you can open your Bible. I like hearing those pages turn. I like to hear those pages turn. hope you got your Bible and your highlighters and your notebook, your pens. Amen. Praise God. I saw Billy this morning. He told me he's writing the scriptures out. Amen. I love that. Love it. Philippians, and it's good to see you, Billy. Good to see you doing so well. Amen. Proud of you, buddy. Praise God. 
It's a testimony that he's even here. Amen. Praise God, the power of God. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. I thank God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel, that's what we're going to talk about today, your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you with the affection of Jesus Christ. You think, he, he's in prison, right? Like, and I heard Pastor Matt uh, Bell preaching this passage of scripture. He said, I don't think I've ever longed for you know, the church that way. But Paul, he said, I prayed for you. You know, I have fond thoughts about you. I remember the great times we've had together, all the great things God's done in our midst, but I've never longed for you. But you have to realize, Paul's been in prison here for a good while. And he's longing for, for the brotherhood. He's longing to see, th these people have become family to him, and so he's, he, he is longing for them with the affection of Jesus Christ, verse eight. Verse nine, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day, without offense, without offense. May God help us to be unoffendable. How many of you ever get offended? How many of you got offended this week? All of us, we get offended. Learning to move beyond that. Learning not to get offended. Amen? We're gonna, we're gonna, there's a series coming in the days ahead about this. I'm telling you. But that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Jesus Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. All right, so we, we've been talking in this series so far about how uh, th this is, um, that the purpose of this letter, it, it is written to deal with some division. It's written to uh, deal with, there, there's some kind of a striving in this Philippians church. We don't know exactly what it is, but there's some kind of a division, there's some kind of a striving. He actually addresses two individuals at the, uh, the, in the last chapter of this verse, Yodi and Sintiga, would that you would be of the same mind. Get along. Come on. Let, let's, let's, let's unify here. Let's, let's get in union. Let's, let, let's work together. Let's strive together. Let's stop the bickering. Let's stop fighting. Work together. Be of the same mind. And he's appealing to them. He's given um, the example of Christ. Let this mind, as, as Stephen so beautifully preached a few weeks ago, let this mind be. What, what, what is that mindset? Let it be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And, and he's, he's using that, the mindset of Christ, the attitude of Jesus, that we should take that, and if we will, it will help to dissolve our disputing in the church. What, what is the mindset? It's that of a servant. He, 
humbled himself. He became a servant. If we will humble ourselves and if we will serve, divisions will cease in the church. So that, that's the whole purpose of this letter. It's writing to try to promote a unity within this congregation. So how does Paul write to a people who are in division, people who are fighting? He reminds them of the fellowship of the gospel. He, he, as we read through this, this passage, I don't uh, know if you recognize how many different terms of endearment he uses in this, in this passage as he addresses them, reminding them of their relationship together, reminding them of fond memories. He talks about heartfelt gratitude that he has for them. He talks about the joyous memories. He talks about the warmth of their relationships, the longing that he has for them. These are all relational terms, and he makes that statement there in verse 5 that uh, he, he talks about the, the fellowship and the gospel from day one until present time. He talks about the fact that they have a fellowship in the gospel. And this is actually a theme that goes throughout this book. I'm going to show you that today, that this is something of a theme that goes throughout this book. Now, uh, Paul was initially, in, in Acts chapter 16, he's, he's received by a lady named Lydia. He goes and he preaches to a group of women, and Lydia is one that responds to the gospel. She puts her faith and confidence in Christ. Right? And so we, we hear about this lady, Lydia, and, and then a jailer and his family. And these, these are the, the people that initially received Paul, and there's this forming of a church. Paul had come years before this, about 10 years before the writing of this letter. Paul had showed up and established the church at Philippi. The Lord sent them here, there through, through a vision. You remember that? Come, come over to Macedonia and help us. Philippi is a city, in, in, in a colony, actually, in, in the region of Macedonia. And, and so... Paul and his team, they show up there, they, they're ministering the gospel, and this little church begins to forge. And I would imagine this church has grown, that there's been increase, this family has grown and, and uh, multiplied. But Paul brings them back to this idea, hey, we've got a fellowship in the gospel from day one, right? And, and, and so let, I want to look at that, that word, what it, what it literally means. And, and, and I'll mention also that this, this church also helped to support the ministry of Paul many, many times. One of my favorite passages in the, in the scriptures, he says, I want you to take notice of the churches at Philippian, or at, I'm sorry, at Macedonia. Take notice of the church at Macedonia, which Philippi is one of those churches. How that in great trial of affliction, the, their, their poverty abounded to the riches of their generosity. He was talking about this Philippian church when he says that. They were in poverty, they were, they were under pressure, in, in stressful situations, yet in their poverty, they were generous, right? They were generous, and he, he wants, he wants uh, the Corinthian church, as, he, as he's writing there, to take note of them, of the grace of God on this church, uh, these churches in Macedonia, how God uses them, even in hard times, to give and to help to support the ministry. So we, we know that this church of Philippi uh, supported Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 9, uh, he's in Corinth, and he makes mention of the fact that, that this Philippian church sent him an offering. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 16, he mentions how when he was at Thessalonica, they sent him an offering. This church partnered with the Apostle Paul. This church was in relationship with the Apostle Paul, right? And so he's talking about the fellowship of the gospel, right? And that, that terminology there, it, it is the word koinonia. How many of you are familiar with that? You've heard that? around the church before, this, this word koinonia. It's where we get our word fellowship, right? Fellowship. 
Probably the greatest definition of this word is joint participation. Joint participation. See, fellowship, and my father-in-law used to say this, or, 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 okay, so I got in trouble. I got in trouble. And probably, hopefully my mother-in-law is watching right now. But she says, you're always talking about your father-in-law. How come you never mentioned me? Okay, so my mother-in-law says this. The fellowship, and they're from the UK, fellowship is not just tea and toast in the basement. Right? It's not just eating donuts and coffee together. The fellowship is joint participation. We are joined together for the purpose of the gospel. Together we are advancing the gospel. Somebody said that fellowship is like two fellows in a ship. Really, it's probably more like a team of rowers in the rowboat. And we're all pulling the oar. We're all pulling that oar to get this gospel boat floating down the stream. We are joint participants. We are working together in this thing to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul, the Apostle Paul is reminding them. Hey, we, we have the fellowship of the gospel. He's reminding them, hey, there's this division amongst you, but we are family. We have been working together from day one until now we've worked together. We're not going to let this thing break our ship up. We're not going to let this little division get into the church and stop the progress of the gospel. We're going to keep pressing forward. And so he uses the example, and I've talked about this before, but he uses an example of Timothy. In second chapter, verse 19, Philippians, you can flip over there to the second chapter, verse 19. It says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Look at this statement in verse 21. For all seek their own. The next section of, of Scripture, Paul talks about different people preaching for different reasons, and we're going to get into the motive of what we do. Why do we do what we do in the church? Is it for a pure motive or is it a selfish ambition? Why do you serve in the department you serve in? Why do you do what you do? Is it for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is it from a pure motive or is it so that you're getting a recognition? Is it so that you have a place of prominence in the church? Are you doing it for, to get something on the inside of you, some kind of need met? Because you see, at the, at the heart of this division in this church, there are impure motives. Divisions happen in the church whenever we have impure motives. If our motive is the gospel, the purpose of God being advanced on planet earth, we will strive together in unity. But as soon as we start trying to advance our own agenda, our own uh, needs, our own motives being pushed to the forefront, that's when things get off kelter in the church. It's the gospel that centers us. It's the gospel that unites us. And, and Paul says of Timothy that this man, Timothy, he takes care of the people, the purpose of God, and he's not worried about his own self. Everybody else, verse 21, seeks their own, not the things which are of Christ. But you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. The reason I'm sending Timothy to you 
It's because we have a fellowship in the gospel. There is an anti-church movement in the church. You see it on social media. People creep in trying to divide. And by the way, what should we do with these people? The Bible tells us that we should mark them and avoid them. Be kind to them, be gracious to them, but mark them and avoid them. Church is God's design. What we're doing this morning is the purpose of God. It's God's intention for, the pe- for his people to come together, to assembly. In fact, the church was called the assembly. Jesus himself called that the ecclesia, the, the, the called out ones to come together to assemble for a purpose, to advance an agenda. That's who we are. We're an assembly. There's nothing wrong with what happens on Sunday mornings in churches all across America. Yet, for some reason, there's been a campaign against gathering on Sunday morning by well-meaning, good-intentioned, but deceived people. Not understanding the purposes of God. The church is God's design. Now, it doesn't matter if we meet in a building like this. There are churches this morning meeting in, in theaters. I've got a friend in Wichita, Kansas. His church is, is meeting in the community arts, the, the performing arts center there, there in their, their community. You can, there are churches meeting in homes this morning, right here in the United States of America. But the church is God's purpose. So whenever you hear people attacking the church, talking about the futility of pews, etc., 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 it's wasteful. It's actually contrary to what we're trying to accomplish. You know what we need to do instead of moving these types of agendas? You know what we need to do? We need to get centered in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to camp in the word of God and let the word of God get so... My message is not an anti-church message. My message is the kingdom. I'm not against anything. I am for advancing the purpose of God. I am for building the church of Jesus Christ. I am for teaching the scriptures. Stop communicating. There, there, There are these cute, cliche, anti-church things that I see Christians posting. Stop doing that. Get the scripture and post that on your wall. Advance the gospel of Jesus through your messages. Amen? Those things are just as detrimental as all the political things that we're trying to advance. Amen? The church is God's purpose. I love church. My life has centered around the church, and because of that, I am blessed. I am blessed because of that. I've been connected to the church my entire life. And I'm not just talking about Sunday morning gatherings. I remember as a kid going to a little guy, probably Bethan's age or younger. I remember going with my dad and a team from our home church. We went with a trailer full of equipment. And we set up church on the, the back of that flatbed trailer. And we were in the middle of this government subsidized housing at the Alazan Apache Courts in downtown San Antonio, Texas, having church. That was a regular occurrence. I remember going with our church. There was, there was a, a man named Mondo Andrade. We're going to visit him on our trip. Uh, him and his son, actually, uh, on, on our trip down to Eagle Pass, we're going to make a stop off, and we're going to see the Andrades. They pastor a church called the House of Prayer in San Antonio, Texas. Mondo Andrade was involved in drug trafficking in a large cartel. 
He owned nightclubs in San Antonio. And uh, long testimony, but he got saved. And I remember our church, we went to the, the nightclubs that he owned around San Antonio, and we shut them down and turned them into churches. I remember going in there and pouring out all of the booze. I remember going in there and putting gospel records on those DJ turntables in those nightclubs. And we would get up and we would sing to those albums. My pastor would stand in the middle of those dance floors and preach the gospel. I remember one time that some folks got so mad they came back with their guns. But we went to one of those nightclubs for, for, I don't know, months or years. I don't know how long it was. I remember doing that as a child. Every Friday night going to that nightclub and having church there. That's advancing the gospel. And because of the connection to the church, my life has been blessed. I was thinking about this. There, I, I talk often about I don't miss church. I don't. But there's, there's a lot of other things that I don't miss. For the last five years, Pastor Matt Bell and several of my friends, they invited me to connect on a video conference call with these pastors. I don't hardly ever miss that thing. It's every single month for the last five years. I don't miss it. You know why? Because of the connection. It is life-giving to me. It is the fellowship of the gospel, and it brings sustenance to my life. It's a place where I connect to the body of Christ, and I participate in what God is doing on planet Earth. It manifests itself in many ways. It plays itself out in many different ways. It manifests itself in, in local churches. It manifests itself in, in outreaches and missions. It manifests itself in so many ways. But we've got to get rid of a lot of these negative ideas and connotations that we have about what we do on a regular basis. It is God's design. It's God's design. There's nothing wrong with sitting on pews looking at the back of people's heads. There's nothing wrong with gathering every single... It's what we're supposed to do. Here's the question. With all of our complaining against that, are we actually going and doing the other stuff we should be doing, going out from our Sunday morning gatherings and then doing the work of the gospel ourselves? Are we participating? Or are we just spectators? Sitting on pews and not really getting involved in the work of ministry. We are to be in God's kingdom participators. Worship is not a spectator sport. I call our church to worship this morning, why? Because it's not a spectator sport. You're not here to watch Mr. Shannon or Vince or Rachel or Darren or these people that are up here every Sunday leading us. We're not here to spectate. We're not here to be entertained. We're not here to watch the performance. This, that's not a performance. We're worshiping the king. Amen. And it's a, it's a participation thing. Amen? I would encourage you, participate in our worship. Participate in prayer. We have prayer meetings on Thursday nights here. We have a prayer meeting on Sunday morning in the chapel, 10 o'clock. Show up and be a part of that. I would love to have prayer in this building every single night of the week. If you're interested in helping us get that done, come see me. But participate in prayer. Participate in the word of God when it's committed. Don't just sit, sit there like, oh, when, when's he going to get done? I'm trying to get you to participate. Bring your Bible. Get your highlighters. Get, participate in this thing. Take it. Bring it in. Apply it to your life. Live it out. Participate in the word of God. Amen? Give. Give. We participate 
in the fellowship of the gospel in giving. Amen? Amen. That's a good thing. Anybody who's discouraging people in giving, mark them and avoid them. We should give. You should give in the offering plate on Sunday morning. You should give when you encounter people who are in need. You should give. I would encourage you when you go out to lunch with a missionary, buy their lunch. Give, 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 give. Be a giver. Be a giver. And see what God does. It, I'm always amazed when these missionaries come, when, when I'm around them at these conferences, and, and I see the offerings coming in. It's these missionaries, a lot of times they're giving $500, $1,000 in the offering themselves. What is it? They've learned to participate in, in this thing. To be a part of the fellowship of the gospel. We are called to participate. I am blessed. My life is blessed because of participation. Let, let, let me say this. I think there's really only two good reasons to leave a church. You know what they are? Number one, bad doctrine. When the church gets way off base, and I'm not talking about little things like hairdos and hair don'ts and these little things that I, I think there's liberty in a lot of these areas. And, and I, I believe that men of God could read the same scripture, some of these scriptures, and we can come up with some different ideas and both healthy God, men of God. But there are foundational doctrines that we can't get wrong. And when churches get to a place where their doctrine is unhealthy, it's a good time to leave. That's a reality. Amen. That's reason number one. Re reason number two is mission, purpose, assignment. And that should flow through relationship. In other words, it needs to be covered and it needs to move through relational channels. That, that's, that's a part of the reason why I, I do join those video conferences so often. That is a, the reason why I'm a part of the International Ministerial F uh, Association, is because of the relationships, that's, because of the coverings that, 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 that's there. You know, when we were thinking about moving here, we submitted that to covering. I was working with Pastor Kurt Juzak up in Minnesota at that point. I submitted the idea of coming here to Pastor Kurt. We prayed through it together. I talked to Pastor David Cook, Dr. Don Crabtree. I put it in front of the brothers that I meet with every single month. Said, hey guys, we're considering, what do you pray about this? If the Lord gives you something, speak to us about it. There's covering, there's relationship. By the time we got done with that process, we knew that God was saying to move to Clarksville. Amen. Healthy relational covering helped us to get clarity on that. Move through relationship. Here, here's a, way, a reason not, not, to, not to leave church. You got mad. I'm, they're not feeding me anymore. I mean, these are the, the common reasons. If you're looking to get fed, I would recommend like Longhorn or Chick-fil-A. They're both really good at that. <laughs> it's tongue in cheek. The reality is the reason we don't get fed is because we don't participate. Amen. That's a reality. I, I, I learned that as a young man. This feed me, feed me, feed me mentality. It's really not my sole responsibility as a pastor to feed you. It is, I, I do feed, I do offer the bread of life every Sunday morning. But all, if all you're getting is what is dispensed on a Sunday morning, as far as spiritual food, you are malnourished. You have a responsibility to feed yourself. And then you have a responsibility to feed others. 
take the bread of life and distribute to somebody that needs to hear it. And I've learned this, that when you begin to do that, you know what happens? God himself will begin to feed you. He'll pour into you. He'll cause you to overflow. These are immature reasons that we hear people all the time leaving church. If you get offended, there's instructions. This book is packed full of instructions of what you're supposed to do when you get offended. And it's not leave the church. It's actually to go to the church and to work it out, to resolve it, to do what we read in that, that verse, be without offense. When we get offended, we have to work through it and bring it to a place of health. Amen? I believe the church is established by God, that God's called us to it, we are participants in it, that we belong to it. Almost every church that I've ever been involved with, I have very, very strong, I'm talking about from the time I was born on planet Earth, almost every single church that I've ever participated with, I have strong relationship with to this day. That's a spiritual root system. That's a spiritual family. I will not cut them off, right? You get mad at your mama, I mean, you, you may get in your car and leave for a little while, but you always come back and work it out, right? You don't leave your family. Amen. And we have to remember that. Listen, we're, we're talking in the context of a church that's divided here, the church at Philippi, church divided. And Paul is reminding them of this, this participation, joint participation in the gospel, the fellowship of the gospel, the koinonia of the gospel, right? We can't just cut ties that way because Yodia made you mad, said to stick it out. Get together, do, do what Jesus said to do. If your brother offends you, go to him and talk it out. If that doesn't work, take some witnesses. If that doesn't work, bring them in front of the church, right? See, there's prescribed procedure for us dealing with these divisions and these conflicts. Whenever we're not seeing things eye to eye, we're instructed to work it out because we belong to each other. Amen. We're gonna see the great reason. Before we're done here, we're gonna see the great, great reason of why we belong to each other. But I'm gonna look at a, a couple passages of scripture. Ephesians chapter two, verse 21 and 22. It says, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of the Spirit, a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We are built together, a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We're fitly framed together. God has set us together. God purposefully put us together, right? I've been put together with this woman up here on the front row. I stay connected to her. I make a decision every night to go home to her, right? There's a commitment, there's covenant. We are covenant people. We are framed together. God's set us together. He's brought us together. We were solitary and we were rebellious, but we humbled ourselves under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and we came into covenant with him. And because of that, we have a covenant with each other. We need to realize that we have covenant with each other because, and we're gonna see this. Paul plays this out beautifully in this letter to the Philippians. We have a covenant together because of what Jesus Christ has done. We can't break that. 
I can't break this covenant that I have with my wife. God put us together. There's a covenant that I've made with her. And so I don't just exit whenever I feel like exiting. I'm committed to her till death do us part. Those are the vows that I took. That's the kind of commitment that we in the body of Christ need to have towards each other. Till death do us. We may not be seeing eye to eye right now. But we're going to work this thing out. And we're going to be in this thing together to the end. I believe that's what Paul's promoting. He, he, he's promoting this idea. I, I want to show you a scripture that you've probably heard all your life. You may have heard me talk about this before. But we, we've heard this all, the, all of our lives. The steps of the are okay that, that's psalm 37 verse 23 the steps of a good man or a righteous man are ordered by the lord and he delights in his way when you get into the, the hebrew and really look at this scripture the way that it would literally translate is absolutely amazing listen to this this is from the hebrew the way this this text would would translate the companionships of the warrior are divinely orchestrated, established by Jehovah. The steps of the righteous man are ordered of God. The way that literally translates. From the Hebrew, the companionships of the warrior are divinely orchestrated. Scotty, come here. Scotty was laughing at me this morning when I walked into our huddle. He said, we look alike. Look at this. So we're, we're twin brothers from another mother. <laughs> He's a Hoosier. I'm a Texan. He's black. I'm white. From different worlds. But we've been brought together by the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. This, this relationship right here is divinely orchestrated. God brought me together with this man. Amen? Amen? And I'll say that about every single one of you who claim Jesus in this house. God has brought us together. Amen? Our relationship is divinely orchestrated. And how many of you realize there's a warfare that's being waged? Amen? And our enemy is not sitting on these pews. Right? We may have some different ideas occasionally. We may have a different agenda occasionally. But we are not adversaries. We're brothers in the Lord. We are family. We've been regened. We've got totally different genetics in the natural. But by the Spirit of God, we have been regenerated. We have been regened. And we are brothers in Christ. Thank you, brother. So let me show you this. Amen. The difference in the way we fight... And the way we should fight, I think, could be illustrated by the difference in the Romans and the barbarians. Listen to this. The Romans fought in formations. They, they fought in structured formations. There was a very structured nature about the way they arrayed themselves. There was purpose in that. A legion was 400 and, uh, four, I'm sorry, 4,800 men. And the, the Roman army was divided into legions. They fought, a legion would go to battle and fight together. 4,800 men. And they were divided into 10 cohorts. 
So 480 men in each cohort. And these cohorts were divided by six centuries of 80 men. This is where we get the word centurion. Centurion was the leader of one of these centuries of 80 men. A legionarian would have been a leader over uh, the 4,800 men. These, these uh, armies fought with great unity and with great coordination. Because of this unity and this coordination, you know what they did? They wiped their enemies out. The barbarians, on the other hand, fought in loose arrangements. Every warrior seeking his own glory. I know in Hollywood we put together these army movies and these cowboy movies where the guy just goes down there and like slaughters entire villages all by himself. Like he, he defeats armies by himself. But how many of you know that Hollywood doesn't often translate well into life? What if we as a church got united? What if we stopped fighting for our own glory? For our own purpose? For our own motive? For our own agenda? For our own opportunity for a chance in the limelight? Recognition? Prominence? Fame? What if we were content to fall in line and march in the legion and be a good soldier in the army of the Lord. How much more success might we have? The Bible says in Psalm 68, verse 6, God sets the solitary into families. He brings out those who are bound into, into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. The scriptures are calling us away from rebellion, away from independence. We're called to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. We're adopted as sons into a family. We're called into a kingdom. We're set in the church. We're a part of a body. We need to stop seeing ourselves as independent entities. We need to stop thinking with self at the center. What's good for the body? What's going to advance the purpose of God? I've said this often, I'm the senior pastor and a lot of times what I want to happen doesn't happen around here. You know why? Because what has to happen is what's good for this body. My agenda has to take second place to the great purpose of God. That should be for every single one of us. I'm gonna bring this, I'm gonna land this plane. He, he brings this idea, the Apostle Paul, as we read through this book of Philippians, and, and, and it keeps popping up, this idea that, that we are laboring together. We have the, the, the fellowship of the gospel. We are joint participants in advancing God's kingdom. This is a theme throughout this book. And, and he brings it, I think, to, to its fullest emphasis in the third chapter, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. 
He says, yet I, indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. And, and just reading those words, I, I think of, of what he said in, back, back in verse 21 of chapter 2. All seek their own. Everybody is seeking their own. Are we seeking our own, or have we counted all things as lost? Have we suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish so that we might gain Christ and be found in him? Found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And look at this, the fellowship. He uses that word again, the koinonia, the joint participation of his sufferings. And, and I just want to stop on that word sufferings right there. We, we treat Christianity like it's supposed to be some kind of an escape from suffering. You know what the reality is? It's actually an invitation Amen. to suffer with Christ. Got a whole sermon series that I, I've been working on for a while. I plan to preach one day. But you know that, that idea of the 30 and 60 and 100 fold return? You know what that's tied to? It's tied to our willingness to sacrifice and suffer for the kingdom. Your willingness to sacrifice and suffer for the kingdom determines the return, 30, 60, and 100. That's, you, you could study that out. It's all throughout Scripture. It's tied to our willingness to suffer for the gospel. Back, back to, there's a bed that I might know him and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. So he calls them to realize, hey, we're a part of a fellowship because Jesus died and bled and rose and ascended to the right hand of the Father. How can we divide? How, how can we fight in the church like it's ours to control? When it's his, bought with his own blood. We have a covenant with him because of his death, because his blood was spilt out. Because of that, we have covenant with him and we've been brought into his body by his death. We're going to move towards communion at the end of this service. Keep these things in mind. The, 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 as we take the elements of communion, the, the bread and the wine, it should remind us that we belong to the body. Amen. We've been brought together through covenant, through the blood of Jesus Christ. I've got to value my brother and sister. I can't just cut people off. I, I can't just 
fight and bicker and try to advance my agenda. I'm a part of something greater. There's a bigger picture. First John chapter one, verse three, John talks very clear terms. He says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We have fellowship together, but our fellowship together is with God, the Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the picture. So what, what, what should we do? What should we do? Philippians chapter 3, verse 15. I'm going to ask my wife to come and I ask the gentleman to prepare to service the elements. So we just read verses 8 through 11, talking about the fellowship that we have, right? It's a fellowship of suffering. It's also the fellowship of resurrection and power. But it's a fellowship that we have with Jesus. It's a fellowship that we have together in him. And here's what Paul says, Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if anything, if anything, in anything, you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. In other words, put aside the differences. If you're mature, Put them aside, and let's live this thing out. Amen. We have fellowship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. And because of that, we have fellowship with one another. Let's put these differences aside. He'll go on and say, Yodia, Sintiki, be of the same mind. Be of the same mind. Amen. Let's, let's stand together. God is doing tremendous things. Gentlemen, you can go ahead and begin to distribute the elements of communion. God's doing tremendous things. Last week in San Antonio, I was able to minister at Light Your World Conference, Destiny Church, Pastor Matt Bell's church. And in our circle, in our fellowship, the IMA and relating churches, churches that we have fellowship on a regular basis, I don't think this has ever happened before. We, we had a gentleman join us to speak in the conference who is from a mainline denomination, I won't say the name of it, but from a mainline denomination, one of the largest in the United States of America, He's leading one of the most prominent churches in their denomination. That denomination traditionally is a cessationist denomination. We sat down together with this gentleman, all my friends with this guy who was kind of new to us and we started talking to him. 
He trained at a spirit-filled Bible school. Through, I believe, the direction of God, God orchestrates our companionships. Through the direction of God, he landed in the position that he's in today. And he says, in our, in our mainline denomination, I am a spirit-filled pastor leading a spirit-filled congregation. What, what's the point? God, God is doing some tremendous things, and a big part of what God is doing is he's bringing down walls, and he's uniting his, his body. This past week, I was at our kids' basketball game. Several of the kids that play on our team, their, their parents are pastors as well. It's a homeschool league. So there are several PKs on the team. I was talking to one of these pastors who actually is a seminarian at nationally renowned seminary right here in Louisville. Traditionally a cessationist doctrine that they teach there. And I, I invited him into our circle of pastors. He, he teaches doctrine in the seminary. And I invited him into our circle to lead teaching for our pastors in the area of doctrine, healthy doctrine. And he joked with me. So you probably don't want me to, because I, I shared our background. He said, you probably don't want me to teach a defense on cessationism. And I said, probably, probably won't go over too well. And he laughed. And he said, well, actually, you might be surprised to, th to find that I am not a cessationist. What, what's the point of all that? These are areas that traditionally in America have divided our church. Cessation and continuationism are, are, are the gifts for today or not. That's been very divisive in our culture. But we're seeing those walls destroyed. And the body of Christ is coming together. It needs to happen. Our nation needs a revival. The church needs an awakening. If it's going to happen, we're going to have to humble ourselves. You know, we can't control what happens in America, but we can, we can control what happens at return. Amen? We can't control what denominations do, but I, we can control what happens between us as brothers, can't we? We can work together. We can strive together. We can row together. Row the boat. Row the boat. One of my favorite pictures. It's a biblical definition of what it means to be a servant of God. One of the Greek words can be translated as under oarsmen. Under oarsmen. You remember those big sailboats? Whenever the sails weren't working, they had oarsmen in the hull of the boat. Usually they were slaves and they would be down under that boat. And when the boat wouldn't sail by wind, they would have to row the boat. They were hidden under the bottom of that boat. The only purpose they served was to row. That's our only purpose. Row the boat. Advance the gospel. Let's strive to be participants together in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a fellowship in the gospel. Amen. Father, I thank you for this word. Father, I pray that it would penetrate our hearts. I pray that it would work in us, Lord God. 
I pray that it would stir in us, Lord God, a move towards unity, a move towards putting aside differences. Father, that you would take the contention out of us towards our brothers and sisters, that you would take the striving out from amongst us, Lord God. Church is known for being a place of striving and contention and hypocrisy. Father, but I pray that you would purify your church. Your, your, your desire, you said in your word that you would purify your church with the washing of the word. I pray that this word would wash our spirits, our minds, give us a different mindset, give us a different outlook. Let us have the mindset of Jesus Christ who humbled himself, became a servant, and was obedient to the point of death. Father, we thank you that we have fellowship with you and we recognize that it's because of your broken body and your spilt blood. So Father, right now as we Take this bread, remember your broken body. Because of the blood that was spilt, we have relationship with you, a covenant relationship. This is the blood your covenant with us. We're thankful for what you've done for us. We were not worthy. We were solitary and rebellious. But because of your blood, you have set us into your family. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's take a minute and just worship together.